Hello, and welcome to Franchise Me. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And this is the show where two friends go on a journey to find the ultimate movie franchise. Each week, we'll talk about a film or films in a series, breaking them down and seeing if they are truly worthy of being in a franchise. As we finish different series, we'll compare and rank them among each other in order to find out which one is truly the best. This week, we take the red pill and plug in as we talk about The Matrix. Andrew, here we are. We have a brand new franchise. We have said goodbye to The Terminator and hello to the Matrix. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing uh, very well. It's it's. Uh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I don't care how you're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, it's nice to have uh, moved on from the Terminator and yep. to move into the Matrix. We've entered this uh, this world, this crazy world, and it's very exciting. Yeah, it's it's interesting because as we talked about last week, that this is a franchise that neither of us really have absolutely no experience with. No. Uh, never seen any of these movies until now. I don't think I've seen any of these movies. I've seen bits and pieces of the first Matrix, just yeah. like the legendary stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's so embedded in culture that we've seen everything at this point. Right. But because we aren't really familiar with this, we kind of came up with an idea of, hey, you know, this is something we're not super familiar with. We don't want to get anything wrong. So maybe we need a little bit of a guide, a little bit of a, of a helper. <sighs> we need a navigator. Somebody who can kind of uh, take us along in this journey into this world. Or Morpheus, if you would say. Yeah. So it is a great pleasure. I know for me, I'm sure it is for you. I, I can't speak for well, you. somewhat. But, uh, we welcome our first guest on this <laughs> podcast. And it is our friend John. John, welcome to Franchise Me. Happy to be here, gang. I'm just kidding. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks. John, do you want to talk about your uh, experience with The Matrix or you know your kind of history with it real quick? Sure. I don't have vivid memory of seeing them all in the theater, but I know that I did. A little bit too young to understand all the nuances of the movies at the time. Mm. Um, getting to watch them back this past week with, with you all really has brought some very fond childhood memories back for me. So... Oh, I appreciate that. Hey, that's great. So you saw these movies in theaters? Yes. That's fascinating. Weren't you like seven? Yeah, weren't you very young? You were like, <laughs> what, 10? No, I was 11. Well, no, 1999. This movie's 1999. Oh, well, then. Yeah, this first movie is and, and Revolutions, then. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I was going <laughs> to say, I, wow. I probably saw, I'm going to say 2002. It was probably just on TV. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's just, it, this is something that you, I know from our conversations together, mm -hmm. that you have a love for, that you really enjoy. So I thought that that would be interesting to have your perspective on as two mm -hmm. people who are brand new to this, who have never seen anything, and specifically this first movie. So thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. Well, I guess, you know, we can kind of jump into it, Let's right? Let's dive in. Let's dive on Let's in. Let's really dive so, in. This has a release date of March 31st, 1999. March 31st. Yep. What a, I guess that's, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Well, Mar this, It feels like release dates are always so, uh, like when I hear release dates sometimes, I go, that's a weird time to release that movie. Like the end of March, but day March has become kind of this big month for movies, it feels like. It's right before April Fool's Day as well. So it like, could have been a joke, you're right. <laughs> no, I was going to say, because this movie really, um, I know we're probably not here yet, but it changed other people's perspectives on everything. Right. So it's like, we're, we're not joking. Please <laughs> think about it. Please go see our movie. Yeah. It's well, not a joke. Like, it's funny because we look at this movie knowing now what it has become. But right. this movie really wasn't anything. Like, people well, didn't it was brand have, new. Yeah, there was nothing to go off but of. But they didn't have expectations. Like, from what I remember, or not remember, I was, again, I was a child. But well, from what I understand. <laughs> we, were, we were all children. <laughs> well, from what I understand. Uh, looking back on this, like, this movie was kind of like people didn't really know what it was or really even care. Mm -hmm. And Keanu like was a name, but he wasn't the biggest name at the time. Like right. his star had kind of dipped a little bit, and people kind of yeah. looked at him as more of a wooden and kind of like goofy actor. Like 
he was in the Dracula movie that that he kind of gave like a notoriously bad performance what, in. Which, which, Dra- which Sorry, Dracula no, movie? Is that he's fantastic? No, I'm not saying the movie's it, bad. Was it, was it, was it Francis, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula? Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. But his performance is... That movie's... I've never seen it, but that movie is apparently fantastic. Uh, I love it. But he is apparently, like, pretty bad in the movie. No, nope, he's not. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of like early Keanu, because isn't that movie, like, 92? Yes. So he's coming off of Bill and Ted. You know, I guess, he's coming yeah. off Bill and Ted. Point was... Break has already happened. Yes. And... He hasn't gotten Speed yet. Speed's oh, 94. Man, you read my mind. I was getting ready to ask the timeline of his movies. Yeah. I mean, Speed Speed in its own right is a huge movie. Yeah. Yeah, so that's fascinating. So, yeah, so Speed comes out. But I understand what you're saying. I think you are right, though. Like, after Speed, I think there was a dip for him a little bit. Yeah. And then I think Matrix kind of revitalized his career. It's just that he, he tried to become, like, a more dramatic actor. Yeah. And separate yeah. himself from, like, the point breaks or the speeds or whatever. And it, it really didn't necessarily work, at least at the time. Time. Right, right. And I think people were kind of like, oh, Keanu's, you know, he's, he's really not that great. Like, they liked him because he is a likable person. He's char- yeah. he's charismatic. Right. But, Absolutely. like, just as an actor, people were kind of like, well, he's kind of that goofy actor. So, sure. and, and and none of these other people were really that big of names at the time. I don't really, mm-hmm. the only one I really know is Lawrence Fishburne. I don't really know where he was in his career lines. Um, he was coming off of some stuff in the 90s. I mean, he was, he, he, he was active in the early, I mean, he was also in the original Apocalypse Now. I mean, he's, he's in Apocalypse Now. So. He was Cowboy Curtis. And he was Cowboy Curtis. He's in a great movie. He has that going for him, I guess. (laughs) He was in a great movie called King of New York with Christopher Walken. There you go. He gives a wild performance. So I guess he's probably (laughs) kind of the, the, he's kind of probably the name, I guess, attached to this movie. But even then, he's not. Hugo Weaving? At the time. I guess so, right? He hadn't done Lord of the Rings yet. Yeah. Well, he has a plenty that, of stuff in his own right, so I can't. I, I was going to say he he he's Australian, I believe, isn't he? I think uh, so. Yeah. So maybe he was bigger, and we're just not here. I just want to make sure we're giving Hugo Weaving his credit because I feel like he may have been a name too. <laughs> well, look, I can always double check this and come back. We to can this come next back week. to it. But no, it's just it, it is interesting that Facts. this movie. I think it just kind of was thrown out there, like they mm. didn't necessarily expect this to be that big right. of, a, of a hit. Mm. Maybe make some money. It doesn't. You know, we'll get there, but it doesn't have the biggest budget or anything. So. It is just interesting to see what it became, and now it is kind of because it, it was kind of this phenomenon, right? Like, you know, and to this day, that we still see the influences in film, and e- whether it's people paying homage or parroting it or just using the techniques for different things, right? Yeah, I mean, just this year. Space Jam 2 opened up, or has a big, yeah. make several big Matrix parodies within it. Right. With oh, the granny it? character, yeah. Yeah, big time. <sighs> nice. She does the bend back and all that. It's, sure. It's... The whole Trinity opening scene is copied, like, exactly just with granny for... <laughs> yeah, for, it's literally, like, verbatim. I see. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> this is directed by the Wachowskis, Lana and Lily Wachowski. Yes, Wachowski so, sisters. Sisters, yep. They directed it. They wrote this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've done some stuff before, but this is kind of what put them on the map, really it's got their it, name it, out there. This was, this was, this was sure. really, it's their brainchild, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. It is. It, it, this is, they are kind of the James Cameron of this franchise. Like, they are the people who, they created this, they had this idea, mm. and they kind of are the ones that are trying to tell the story. Right. They just, for the most part, there's no real, like, they just gave up in the middle of it and left, like James Cameron did with the Terminator <laughs> franchise. <laughs> I don't think, but he didn't really give up. No, I mean, he just was, was done of, with it. There was, was a lot of stuff going on. He was done with it, but <laughs> his friends bought the rights out from under him. There's a lot going on there. Whoa. They are a very interesting pair. They've done yeah. some stuff since then. Uh, this again, this did kind of like 
like really launched their career. They did like Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, other notable movies they did. Mm-hmm. I am notoriously not a fan of that. We'll talk about that more in the retrospective. Yeah, we'll get to that in the retrospective. Um, yes. Big Speed Racer fan though. I watched that movie. I enjoyed it when I watched it. I don't know if I went back to it if I would really love it, but it is a very interesting film and the yeah. way they 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 use the special effects and. Again, it makes complete sense watching this movie and seeing what they did with that. Mm. So they are an interesting pair. Again, not the biggest fan of them. Again, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll get to uh, But <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. but with this movie, they do a really good job. I, I would say for for a movie like this, regardless of how you feel about them, this movie is an achievement. Yeah. You know, for them, it is an achievement and it is a for real sure. jewel in their crown, if you will. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It is interesting to see these two directors and, and what they can really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this and this is so wholly original for the most part but so wholly (laughs) original and again this it is like this world building right story Mm -hmm. and it is just crazy for me to almost think of a a film landscape without the matrix right and what that would even look like because it has been so influential on filmmaking since its Mm -hmm. release big time that you have to give them credit for that yeah especially in the action genre too yeah. yeah, I mean, action sure. and sci-fi. Sci-fi. And this does take a lot of, like, Asian elements, like martial arts elements, right. and bleeds them into a more American film. Right. And you can definitely see that influence there, and I think that it kind of was an opening for, like, maybe somebody walked out of this and said, I need to go look up some classic kung fu movies, because they really like some of the action sequences and fighting sequences Big time. and stuff. So. Yeah, you can see it. Well, I guess you want to talk about the cast? Let's move into cast. Yes, please. So we have uh, starring Keanu Reeves as Neo, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus, Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity, Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, Joe Pantoliano as Cypher, Marcus Chung as Tank, Anthony Ray Parker as Dozer, Matt Doran as Mouse, Belinda McClory as Switch, and Gloria Foster as the Oracle. Let's talk about this cast a little bit. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Oracle? Do you want to move backwards? Or I always find that we kind of start with like the back half and then move to the big one. Let's ones. ask our guests. What do you want to do? Let's go Oracle to Keanu. Let's do yeah. it. Okay. So, so Oracle. Gloria Foster as the Oracle. Uh, she's fantastic. I really nailed it. Yeah. I think she's really great. I think she really captures the mystique of what the Oracle is about. I mean, her, her whole purpose is to kind of just essentially give him like like false information about things in a way. Like she kind of like she, she motivates him with without motivating she him. She tells him stuff like without alter- telling him stuff. Yeah, like yeah. an alternative way of mo- motivating him by saying, oh, you're not the one, but like she knows he's well, the one. Well, to be fair, he wasn't at the time. He wasn't at the time. He has to no, become a- the after, one. after the rebirth right. he had at the end of the first one, then he became the one. Oh, yeah. So well, she didn't lie. I was just going to add um, onto what you said about her bringing like uh, a mystique. Uh, the tone of all of her scenes is just, for me, a pretty sharp contrast to the rest of the franchise as a whole because it's just so heavy toward the, the back half of the movie and of mm. the franchise as a whole. Right. And uh, whenever the Oracle's on screen, it's kind of just like, oh, we're with the Oracle. Things are fine. Now we're going to have cookies. It's cool. Right. And it, she, the, the scenes of the tone is just, it, is, is lightened. It's, it's comforting. Yeah. Though Matrix is so, or can be so, so like big and wild and crazy yeah. and it's kind of like this mundane little section where like we just go in and we're in a house into somebody's kitchen having mm-hmm. a conversation right so it's simple yeah, yeah that's fantastic yeah, a lot she, of fun. she brings in and again this is 
something we'll talk about in the other movies, she does obviously get replaced. She does pass away in real life, which is why she yeah. does get replaced in the third movie. But, uh, and no offense to that actress, but uh, Gloria Foster in this role is really incredible specifically and I think really brings the necessary energy for that. It's a small role. Yeah. But oh, she yeah, really it's... stands out. And this movie is a small role. But yeah. she really stands out because of that performance. A small but integral role. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm sure we're paying no. for the respect she deserves. But the physical size of the role, like how oh, long yeah. she's on she's... screen time is... Yeah. Yeah. small. It's, it is, yeah. it's, it's a small, one scene, it's a small right? Time. Yeah, it's one scene. Um, maybe, two? maybe two. I think it's two, but she really sticks with you. Yeah, she exactly. impact. That's how good the performance is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we blend with Clory as Switch. Of the cast that we see of the Nebuchadnezzar, the yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. Switch, just because of her color palette in the Matrix and out of it, mm-hmm. is so different from the rest. She definitely, right. They definitely stuck with me as a character. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's a tiny role. She is in throughout, but she doesn't really really have like play that important of a role but right. but she does a good job of standing out mm-hmm. and like you said maybe it is that color palette that draws your eye yeah she's but pl- she's blonde that her in the matrix she wears all white anyway yeah right so uh i i wanted to mention her because there is a couple interesting facts about her character and john we talked about this off mike mm-hmm. that i'll mention in the fun facts later so nice uh matt doran as mouse so again just another crew member mouse is fine uh, yeah again very quick role he's uh you know the small guy as they call him they're like oh is that <laughs> tiny guy behind you that's mouse yeah I, I he's kind of the one i get most upset about when they uh when they start killing people off at the end like he's pulling the plugs on everybody yeah um i'm really upset when they pull his uh or maybe nope. does he get his plug pull or is he no, just get, he gets gunned down he just gets gunned down thank you see that's why you're here <laughs> maybe we'll just have you on for every uh <laughs> franchise and you can just correct us you can be our fact checker you'll be our fact checker there, <laughs> that's a perfect role for me you can sit there and as we say something wrong go Mm-mm, no no <laughs> But yeah, no, he gets gunned down, but it's it's really upsetting to watch because you're like, oh, he's like actually a sweet person and he gets gunned down. That's not uh, it's not fun to watch. He reminds me a lot of uh, like Jesse in the Fast in and Fast, Furious In movie. the first Fast and Furious yeah. movie. Yeah, he gets gunned down. Right. But yeah, but just this, he's the smaller guy yeah, he's small, on the crew. A little scrappy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a fun little role. He also has a really interesting discussion about um, tasty wheat in, yeah. in the movie. For some reason, that line just stuck with me for a while. Jesse's like, how do machines know what tasty wheat tastes like? I've never tasted tasty wheat. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's a seems, good point, Mouse. Right. That right. seems basically why I included him on this list. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, that, no, that that's man, why he made the list. His, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could call it a sacrifice, but his last stand I thought was really great from a character we hadn't seen anything of other than his obsession with tasty wheat. Right. Um, and at the end, he pulls out two drum fed machine guns to buy them some time before <laughs> unfortunately getting gunned down. Right. Yeah. He tries. I'm going to do the brothers together. So we have Mark. Marcus Chung as Tank and Anthony Ray Parker as Dozer. Just because I, I have more to say about Tank than Dozer, but we might sure. as well just include them together. Right, right. Um, Dozer, again, just another member of the crew. Doesn't necessarily stand out as much. Tank, though, really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And Tank and, so much so stands out that you wonder where he is in the next movie. And we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it the next week. Tank is is a really great character. He is kind of, outside of like the main, I guess, four, he is kind of the one that really stood out to me. Besides the Oracle right, as right, well. Right, right. But he, he really stood out to me. Yeah. And yeah, would it would have been interesting to see his character. I would have loved to see him come back. It's a shame that... Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, what happened behind the scenes happened, but uh, I would love to see him come back. Go by Sentinels. Yep, that's it. It's Uh, not money related at all. Go ahead. (laughs) Joe Pantoliano as Cypher. 
Yeah, I, I love really good I love villain. this bad guy. Yeah, really good villain. Good um, bad guy. What, what I like about his character is as soon as he comes on screen, you know he's going to turn on the crew because he just looks evil. He's, like he's he comes shifty. on screen, he's a shifty yeah, he's guy. shifty. He's got like the beard thing going on. You're like, yeah. uh, this guy is unsettling to me, and I, I don't know if I trust him. And you're you're right not to because you know he turns on all of them, and you're just like, oh, that's that's a shame. But I could see it coming. It's really so much worse because he's the one pulling the plug yeah. on some of the crew that yeah. he's been with and you're like wow he doesn't care about these people at all no but he's a great villain he really sells it the one thing i i w- and i think you mentioned this with his character is i kind of wish they didn't give away that he was going to turn on them that's because even- he literally has a meeting yeah with agent smith and you're sitting there and you're like oh i kind of wish they don't have the scene in the movie like i wish they didn't have that they didn't show us that or they show it showed us later yeah. after he was like turns on them and starts pulling plugs and he you know and he starts doing the evil guy and he's mm-hmm. revealing his plan and then they show that scene but i I felt like they spoiled that a little early because it kind of takes away the tension. I'm I'm 50-50 on that. Like, I do think they could have been a bit more creative if they had intercut the meeting with him pulling the plug, I think could have been very interesting. But I think having the meeting, like, early in the movie, like, the first third definitely adds to that because you know he's going to turn on them at some point. You're like, yeah. right, man, when's it going to happen? And then he gets out quicker than the rest. Yeah. He picks up the gun, takes out Dozer, and then is a real creep to, to Trinity. <laughs> He like, licks her face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I, weird. Yeah, I think he does do that. And he like jumps on Morpheus's lap and just starts talking shit to Lawrence Fishburne's, you know, unconscious body. It's 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 a bold move. Oh, he can't even do it in real life? Like, he's got to wait till they're unconscious? Well, that's the kind of guy this is, is that he knows that he couldn't take these he's, guys on yeah. in, in the real world. That's, right. He could have tried to sneak up on him. No. What is he going to do? He's going to get out of the Matrix he's, as soon as possible and pull their plugs. And yeah. He's literally a rat. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. He literally just takes everybody out. He's a rat. When he's having the meeting with Agent Smith and he talks about wanting to become an actor. Yeah. I thought that, because I know that this series does a lot of weird things. I thought that they were actually going to have him become the actor Joe Pantoliano later. <laughs> that would have blown me away. That would have blown me away. I would have been Man. like, wow. What out of five for the, fra- the whole franchise because they didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, that is unbelievable if they do that. Oh. So, I kind of want that cut now. Is there a cut? I thought. No. I, I mean, clearly he doesn't. Is there the uh, Pantoliani cut? <laughs> <laughs> Release it, you cowards! <laughs> Even in the second or third movie, like if they run past the movie theater and it just has like st- something starring Joe Pantoliano, I would have been, been a great like little touch. Yeah, Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. Ah, uh, Mr. Anderson. Yeah, it's great. Can't be understated the yeah. impact he had. Oh my god! I know. I just said he was the, like a great villain. This exceeds it by yeah. so much. Yeah. I mean, like, what Hugo Weaving is doing in this movie, and again, in this movie, he's really not in this movie that much either. It's a pretty small role in this one, right? Or is it a bigger one? I, it's, I Which it's, one am I mixing it up with? I watched all these movies over the weekend with yeah, you guys, we all did, yeah. and I feel like everything is, like, mushed together. Is he... He has a smaller role. Maybe it's the last one. I think he's in about a third of the movie. In the yeah, he, he okay, has a pretty so big he role He has a big movie. role in this one. Maybe I'm thinking of the last one. I feel like he, the last he's one... He's the last one. Yeah, yeah he does the last one out of the Matrix a lot. Right, right, right. So, the first one, then, he does have a big role. We know our stuff here on Franchise Me. Um, I mean, it really is a legendary villain. Like, I think if you put together a list of the best villains of the last, I don't know, 30 years, I think he makes the cut easily. That's how good he is. Like, he's intimidating without, like, he doesn't even, like, show his eyes half the time. He's scary. He's intimidating. He's He's scary. scary. Like, if I ran into that guy on the street, he's like, Mr. Andrew. Like, I'm running. I'm running. (laughs) And and this is something that we can maybe even talk more in the retrospective episode, but I thought that even as he gets more powerful in the other two movies, 
movies, and and that he should be more scary. Yeah, he's actually scarier in this movie. I felt like. Oh, for sure. Well, I, I agree with that. For me, it's because the power connect between him and and Neo has been pretty consistent. In this, him and the rest of the agents are stronger by a, a huge margin. Yeah. For the entire runtime until the last five minutes. Yeah. Yep. The the ever present threat I think makes him and the rest of the agents really good villains overall. Like even apart from Hugo Weaving, just the the agents as a concept because you see in the one of the final fights right before the final fight when a homeless guy watches Trinity go back to the Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. and just becomes Smith him and Neo have this really intense fight he throws him in front of a train and then you hear the train stop Neo does the dramatic turn you're like oh man and then he just gets off like yeah. nothing happened yeah, yeah. he's yeah. like oh yeah trains don't kill me trains yeah. don't kill me and- <laughs> You did mention the other agents. I mean, I do have them on here. I didn't say them. Paul Goddard as Agent Brown, Robert Taylor as Agent Jones. Just because they're not really fleshed out as characters. Yeah, they're just yeah. part of his crew. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they do a good job and, and they are intimidating and, and a little scary, but not right. nearly as, as Smith. No, and it's, it's interesting because this is also one of the movies like you were mentioning, like the agents are kind of this concept, but it really, in later movies, they all become Smith essentially, yeah. which is yeah. really interesting because yeah. this movie, there are many of them and there are different people playing them all over and then suddenly as these movies go on we obviously see it become solely just Smith taking over. They stop being agents too. Yeah and they stop being agents entirely but I I do I agree with you I think he actually is scarier in this movie because of that concept. Yeah. Hugo Weaving great actor. The the delivery for his monologue to Morpheus while he's describing how much he hates being in the Matrix. These these meat bags they smell. Yeah it it is a good job personifying the character and the agents up until that point have been a pretty impressive personal villain but once that happens you're like Smith specifically has this vendetta against humankind that I find really interesting yeah yeah I think that in in the, anybody else's hands that this could just kind of be like a laughable a, a bland character I agree um he wouldn't stand out from the other agents yeah but Hugo even has that energy and that charisma but kind of like charisma like in like the insidious way almost like the like yeah yeah you look at him and you're like the oh, opposite of Keanu <laughs> yes yes yeah, but you don't, like you look at Keanu we'll get there but you get like comfort kind of and like yeah. oh, I really like this guy and you look at him and you're like there's something off this guy yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like we, Willem Dafoe is a lot like that too yeah and and we'll talk about him one day we'll but we'll talk about even him when I think he's trying to be like a hero you're kind of always like yeah, something yeah, off about this guy, guy. Willem Dafoe yeah. has a face of that guy <laughs> he's like he's like Joe Yeah, he, it's also just crazy that Hugo Weaving had like one of the most incredible like five year runs of an actor he had Matrix and Lord of the Rings essentially at the same time that blows my mind yeah. but that's all I wanted to say yeah Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity. Carrie Ann Moss is an actress I feel like that doesn't get enough love. Yeah. I feel like she is a like a pretty great actress and I feel like nobody really talks about her that much but she's really good in this movie. Yeah. Because I didn't watch the Matrix movies I didn't really know much of her work until she popped up in uh, I believe it was Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went oh yeah that's uh, Carrie Ann Moss and she's in Jessica Jones. Yep. And she's really good in that show. Yep. And I was, was like the lawyer. She's the lawyer. Oh. And she's really really good and I was like oh this is a different role and then I look mm. back at uh, Matrix and I went that's why people know who she is yeah. that's why it was she's, such a big get because she's in, she was yeah. in the Matrix she's an Iron Fist and, and all that stuff Hogarth right I believe is the name Hogarth yeah, yeah she's yeah. Uh, she's like she works for uh, Iron Fist and yep. Jessica Jones she's like the lawyer yeah exactly stuff. yeah yeah, yeah she's, she, her Trinity it's excellent it's excellent. From what I, I mean, understand, this she was really wasn't doing much. Like I think she kind of said this movie kind of launched her into stardom. Like absolutely. she really wasn't anything. And now after this movie, everybody 
just talking about her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, the, again, this could have maybe been like a generic female role or whatever. And, and we've kind of talked about with Fast and Furious about like the, some of the female roles might not always be the best. But we've also talked about with Terminator how yeah. what you can do with a female role. Yep. And this feels very much like that where like she never feels sexualized. We'll talk about it next week. There's one scene in the second film whatever we'll get there but at least in this movie she's never really sexualized she's not like walking around half naked throughout the entire movie yeah it is just her being a badass and, she can fight and yeah. fighting and Absolutely. and kind of carrying a little bit of the emotional weight of this movie as well right, right. as she develops this relationship or at least these feelings with for Neo, Neo. Yeah. yeah and she has the wonderful uh kind of I guess I don't know if it's a monologue but like scene at the end where she is the reason that he kind of is revived and brought back to life yes. because she tells him that she loves him and that yep. she's supposed to love the the one saves his life twice in the same movie yeah again this could have been a pretty forgettable or just a bland role but but yeah. she's able to bring an energy to it and even her look like stands out because she doesn't look like the traditional like female star she's got like the black leather thing on but she's also got like the black slick back hair yeah, yeah. it's all very different because I guess normally when you see like a big female action role like that I feel like during that time too it always had to be like and not that Carrie Moss isn't attractive she is no, but she it was is, always yeah. like they had to go with like the bombshell yeah you know it was always like the blonde bombshell or the brunette bombshell Jessica Alba as the invisible woman right Jessica Alba is the invisible woman or like Sandra Bullock in speed or something. It has to be like this bombshell where as this again, she's very attractive obviously mm-hmm. but it's a different look it's like all this leather yep. and yep. it's this slick back hair and sunglasses and you're like this is so different and that's kind of what makes it really great something else you're stuck out was her look again when, she, when they're in the Matrix for some reason her character always has like you said the slick back hair but her the, the coat she's wearing the, the leather getup she's wearing is always metallic it's always reflective it's, yes which makes her stand out from everybody else again so I really appreciate what they did they, they made the few female characters that are in this movie Distinguishable because, yes. like, yeah. if you're looking at the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar in the Matrix, all the guys are, except for maybe Morpheus, are pretty much I can't tell who's who. But between Switch and Trinity, you're like, there you go, that's it. Yeah, such a like, difference. Yeah, they yeah. make them yeah. stand out because they're all. Everybody's kind of wearing black leather right. trench coats or jackets or whatever. And you're right, they, it is kind of similar look. So I get it, but yeah, you, they do absolutely stand out. And yeah. And she does stand out in this role, and and I'm 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 glad that they got her. I'm glad that this kind of defined her career. And she hasn't been popping up in, in a ton of stuff as of as of late. I I haven't looked at her filmography. I mean, she probably she, I, she's dude, working. I'm sure she's but, working, but also she's probably still making that Mad Matrix money. I'm sure, I'm sure but, things are but fine. I, I hope <laughs> that with the resurrections, that maybe we can kind of see like her pop up in more stuff because I yeah. really really liked yeah. her, and I want to see her be in more stuff. But again, I'm sure that she's successful, and like you said, probably never has to work another day in her life. Right. She's right getting the Matrix money, but I would like to see her pop up in, in more stuff in different roles. Right. So. Yeah. Also has one of the most iconic lines from this movie, Dodge This, when she blows the yeah. agent away. Yeah. Cool line. I, I just wanted to point that out because it's one of the most like legendary lines in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> cool line. Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus. This is the MVP. <laughs> this is the MVP. I'm just going to say it straight yeah. up. This guy is the MVP. Yes. It upsets me when we get to the other two movies because, and we'll talk about it over the next couple weeks, I feel like they don't write him as well as they write him in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's not as important in the later movies, he, as important as he is here. He be- progressively becomes like a background he character. He progressively becomes a background character. But in this movie, he shines. 
performance. I mean, he is unbelievable. Like, just what he's able to capture and be so, like, mysterious but be this guide for Neo and train Neo essentially to kind of find himself to be the one. I mean, one of the best scenes in this movie, and we'll get to scenes later, but is that Kung Fu scene, that train scene, uh, the fight scene they have, him and Neo yep. have in the dojo. It's like, this is awesome. Like, yeah. This guy, re- like he, he he talks the talk, but he can walk the walk too. And they throw like that cool music behind it and yeah. they're just going at each other. And you're like, this is amazing. They're what just a, sparring. Tone setting fight. And Fishburne just has this energy yep. that not a lot of actors carry but there's something about him that when he's in a movie i want to go see the movie yeah because i like him that much yeah he just has a very unique face with his teeth he's got like that gap in the two in the teeth and the front teeth but it's very unique to him and it's like a distinctive look it's a distinctive look like oh. not everybody has his look and when he's in that costume he's legendary you're yeah. like nobody else could put this costume on and look as cool as Lawrence fishburne does right now <laughs> he ha- again he has this it is a like almost pure charisma like he has his energy to him yes but he also kind of has like as mysterious as the character is he almost kind of has like a warmth to him like you trust this character yeah, yeah. like if you think at about no, it at no point does he make you feel I don't trust this yeah, guy I mean like, if yeah. I'm all in if you think about it, his introduction like is in a back room somewhere where he's giving this guy pills and like telling him <laughs> about this like fantasy world and if in lesser hands it could be really creepy or like don't do it, don't do it. It's him, try and, to do it. <laughs> and he plays it off so well that like, yeah, you want Neo to, mm-hmm. to go with him. You want him to go on this journey yeah. and you want to see more of this guy. Yes. And he plays that character so well and also kind of like that blind faith of like, even though like Neo knows that he's told he's not the one or I guess at the time he's not the one like you yeah. said, Morpheus is always like, I don't care. Well, I don't need to know. It's That's not my information. Yeah. That's your information. He's so, he's so into the Oracle. Like, yeah. He's like, he's like, what the Oracle told you is what she told you exactly. I don't want to know yes. and and he plays that so well yeah. it is such a standout character and it is kind of the we'll get to it later but there is a list of people that they could have casted or tried to cast and mm-hmm. Florence Fishburne is the perfect choice yes I was going to say I, I'm curious to hear that list because I was like I think Fishburne was probably the best choice for that role I have to imagine I don't think uh, you're going to name another actor that's going to be like I want that actor I think Fishburne is my oh. first choice every time we'll see it will be interesting too because in Resurrections Morpheus is back, but it's a different actor. It's yeah, not yes. Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. So it's going to be... see how that works. I like what I've seen in the trailer, actually, of him. Mm. I'm sure there is a reason for that. And, well, that movie's not even out. As of recording, the movie's not even out. Yeah. So... Well, it's uh, Yaya Mateen Abdul II. I'm sure... Again, I'm sure it's a wonderful performance, but it is going to be interesting because it's not Lawrence Fishburne. So we're going to see how that goes. Yeah. yeah. So It'll be interesting. He really borders the line for the entire franchise between being a competent ship captain, like competent individual, and maybe a little bit overly like believing kind of almost a like zealous character with his uh prescription of of the one will save the world and, uh-huh. and like almost to the detriment of everything around him again if the script had been written a little bit differently could have really ruined the character like this as about fishburn but fantastic like electric performance yeah absolutely so then that leaves us with the one keanu reeves as neo fantastic this was probably my first experience with keanu reeves but yeah i i he's fantastic in this i appreciate how muted the character starts in the beginning and you know by the end of the first one he is fully the one and that confidence as the one carries on pretty much through the rest of the movies there are a couple times where he kind of wavers in that towards the end but like throughout the whole thing after he you has the rebirth he's pretty confident in his oneness Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so the oracle says you would know it if you were if you don't know it you're not it right i i will say i don't think he's 
fantastic in this movie. I think he is really good, but I think part of that is because he is next to Fishburne a lot of this movie. And I think maybe Fishburne is elevating his performance more than you would normally get to see him Mm -hmm. elevated. For sure. And I think that really speaks to like their connection or just like how good of an actor Fishburne is really. But like, I think it also kind of, I think that partnership they have in this movie, them being together really elevates his performance. But I think without Fishburne, Keanu is not as good. That's how I feel. And again, I think Keanu has really uh, grown as an actor throughout the years, but I think at this specific time in his career, like you were saying at the beginning, he was struggling a little bit to really find that thing to give him a kick in his career. I think at this time, it's a really good performance. It's the exact performance he needed right at this time, but I don't necessarily think it's the best performance he's given. I think he gets better as the movies go on. See, I think, and and this is, I, I know this is all, this is all matter of opinion i think he gets a little bit better as it goes on but i i do think this movie it's it's a really good performance but i don't think it's his best in the matrix see i i actually go the opposite i think this is his best performance in the franchise really i think this they utilize him the best i i have you know read some other reviews and stuff right so right right i don't want to like take anybody else's words but i think that uh they utilize him because he is kind of especially at this time this like and even if you watch him in, in interviews he's kind of like easily bewildered and, and excited about what's going on around him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was literally, I saw an interview just last night that they did, they did promoting the new Matrix movie where like they told him that apparently like people in cyberpunk, like rules had to be installed in cyberpunk because people were trying to hack the game to have sex with his character and he was like freaking out. He thought it was the funniest thing and like he was like, yes! And he like went on this whole rant about like, <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. He went on this whole rant. He went on a whole rant about like virtual porn and like what? the future of this. And Send me this interview as soon as we're done this podcast. Yeah, please. But I want to see Keanu rant about virtual porn. But that's he, what I need in my life. He is very easily bewildered and, and caught up in what's happening. And this, seems like this he's, role. He seems like he's easily amused. Well, this yeah. role is essentially like just asking questions. Like 90% of this movie is just, <laughs> what is this? Why are we? What's going on? What's happening? Neo being confused. And they are utilizing that kind of confusion that he naturally seems to have or bewilderment in the world around him and they're utilizing that in the character. So I think that that works. Right. I think that he's a little... And we'll get to this with the other movies that we keep saying. We keep keep referencing next week. (laughs) I think he's a little bit too stoic in Uh the other movies and I get that's the character and that is the confidence but he's a little bit too stoic for me in the other movies where this has a little bit more energy to it and I really like that growth development of seeing him from being this confused, overwhelmed, out of his element person to that five minutes at the end where he is really Neo, he is the one. Right. right. That is the highlight so may- for me of the character. Okay. You guys are really selling me here. Maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, I'm wrong. No, you're you're not. I think you agree with him, but <laughs> I was gonna add that personally, I feel like he keeps that same sense of being out of his depth throughout most of the movie, like most of the franchise. That, that's that's a thing that I have, and I've been wrong before, but hmm. just because like you see, he is very confused the entire movie for good reason. For good reason, because they even make a point to mention how in the, the movie that they don't ever wake anybody up who's past, you know, they a certain are, age, yeah, because yeah, they can't handle it. So it makes sense for him to be confused the entire time. Who wouldn't be? You're right, and I think maybe three uses that confusion and a little bit of that a, a little bit more. But I just, yeah, it really worked for me at least here and and uh, as we get into the next couple movies in the next couple weeks, maybe I'll think about it more and I'll, I'll take them wrong. But right. to me, the entertainment of is seeing him out of his own. And that's kind of why I'm also excited right. for Resurrections because yeah. they're going to be revisiting. Yeah, it seems like they're yes. going to be revisiting that. 
Right. And also, like you mentioned, Keanu seems to be more confident as an actor. Anyway, yeah. so oh, yeah, that makes me more excited for that. But we've had conversations yes. the last couple of weeks. Uh, and John, we've had these conversations with you off mic. Uh, you know, we have had arguments over who is the more Jesus-like character, Tom uh, Toretto uh, and, is... and John Connor. And look, the con- can we just agree that the conversation's over, the answer's Neo and move on? Yeah, I think that's I think that's it, fair. I mean, it, I really it, do think that's fair. I think that is, I think Neo is the most Jesus-like <laughs> character we have seen yet. Like, the, the most Christ-like figure. And it's not even and, just and, this movie, it's over three yeah. movies. And it's fully intentional. And, and literally the fourth movie is called Resurrections. <laughs> yeah. Ever read something called the New Testament? Welcome to Bible Hour. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome to Bibleize me. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to linger on this. This isn't going to be a debate. But I just I felt like like clearly that is the intention. Oh, he absolutely. is meant to be absolutely. Christ. But yeah, it's just. I think if you right now, if you put Dom Toretto, John Connor, and Neo in front of me, I will tell you Neo is the most Christ-like yeah. every time. Yeah. Now the argument on Dom and John Connor that's, that's its a own separate story. Thing. And, and but if you put Neo, if Neo gets into the mix, it's not even a competition. No. It's Neo. It's Neo. Yeah. yeah. So I I did just want to address that because you can't watch this movie, especially because we've had conversations about Christ-like figures. <laughs> we get to we, we really go off on that quite well, a bit. You know what it is? So it's great. just and I think I said this because we watched this movie together, John. Sure. I was like, man, can we stop watching franchises with Jesus <laughs> allegories? Yeah, there's, it's really heavy-handed in this, but yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with you. Wait until um, what is it with the Land of the Witch and the Wardrobe? Oh God, oh, yeah, that's oh as long. Oh, my yeah. God, we have to do Chronicles of Narnia. Jesus, oh, I meant oh, to you just after. reminded me. That's a shame. <laughs> so that's not our next um, one, but still. So not even from the first movie, like like he martyrs himself for all of mankind yep. in the last one too so yeah spoilers I, sorry the movie's almost 20 years old yeah it's fine it's fine <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now stop watching this and go watch <laughs> but no uh, I'm glad we're all in agreement yes, on that agreed. Right, so, uh, let's move on budget 63 million dollars that's quite a bit for a uh, like first movie in this type of thing had the Wachowskis done anything that they, like warranted this kind of money they, they had done <laughs> some stuff but it wasn't ever anything big I don't think wow that's interesting so, that's fascinating obviously compared to now a rather small budget sure. I think back then it was pretty average you know I'm, I'm not in the industry I don't really know but <laughs> it was pretty average to maybe even a little bit higher but for what they are able to accomplish in this film with just 63 million dollars because a lot of this stuff still looks pretty good it holds to up. this day yeah, it yeah. Holds up. yeah box office 465.3 million dollars that's a big amount of money people are showing up yeah as far as how much it costs to make I think you can see every penny of that money yeah like agreed I I mentioned this a couple times sound design the effects the props they were able to yep. do that scene at the lobby of that of the office building where they destroy the lobby must have been astronomical yeah, yeah. oh for sure unless yeah. they found like a cool way to do it but I don't think they did I think they literally just went for it shot actual guns at those people yeah oh yeah <laughs> and look they put the money in they got they exactly. got the money back. I mean, I mean it, it's no wonder why you would make two more movies yeah. when you make back whenever exactly. you make back the money you're gonna get more it's literally times over. 400 yeah, million dollars yeah, yeah you're gonna made, make they're gonna be yeah. like yeah make more the, the budget was that like with marketing included? I don't think so. I, we talked about this before. From what I understand, and again, I'm not in the industry. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the times the budget is kind of like, or the, the marketing is like, you take the budget and double it, and that's kind of what it is with with marketing. Okay. Um. So if it's 63 million 
dollars, you just times that by two, and that's usually what it is. Sure. Again, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say something that's inaccurate. Right. E- so. Even then, they still made oh, a lot of money. Yeah. Hundred million dollars. Exactly. They spent. Exactly. Yeah. Incredible. And yeah. I don't think anybody, you know, when the Wachowskis come to Warner Brothers with this idea and say, you know, hey, we want to make this movie, they're going, yeah, make your little movie. They're not thinking it's going to make them this much money. Yeah. And it does, and you know, and again, this is stuff I guess we can talk about in the retrospective, but this launches in a complete franchise, video games and merchandise and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think they were selling Matrix sunglasses, like, you know. Like, you yeah. know. No, they for sure were. I, I remember seeing them. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. This has a critics score certified fresh at 88%. Ooh, critics I'm like I'm surprised it. it's only 88, to be honest. That's actually really high. Really? You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, if I'd be higher. What do you think it would be? Give me yeah, at least at least ninety two. Ninety two. I think the only movies we're still thinking. I think the only movies we've had that have been <laughs> higher are the first two Terminator movies. Yeah, that's and the true. first one's really? literally a hundred percent. So really, but that's yep. but that's. Oh, I, I actually remember hearing that. That's that's critics going back and reassess. It's yeah. it's not exactly totally accurate. Yeah. But, yeah. And Rotten Tomatoes doesn't really matter. That's the other thing. We yeah, just it say it. we do it we, for fun. We just say it for yeah. fun, but it doesn't matter like, because I'll, a lot of people can contribute on there. And Rotten Tomatoes too. That doesn't mean that it's only an 88% out of 100. It means right. out of 100 critics, 88 people said they, they, they thought it was a good movie, whether right. they loved it or liked it. You know, so... Yeah. It, just because it's 88% doesn't mean that it, it's... It's skewed. Yeah, it's exactly, a skewed, exactly. It's a skewed so. uh, scope but to look at movies. But audience right. has a fresh score of 85%. Yeah, they're in agreement. Yep. I like it. So, I have a, a little tiny synopsis here. Uh, the Terminator movies killed me with with the writing the, all those synopsises, so... Your synopsis uh, is like three lines. I, I, it's so I took, different. I like, took the cheap way out here when he was doing terminator he had paragraph i heard of that. that's amazing go so, ahead yeah. please thomas anderson is a computer programmer who finds his life completely changed when he meets a group of people led by the mysterious morpheus and learns the truth about the world he's living in is that what he got that's all I got. okay wow okay this is that's normally when i go and make my coffee so this is <laughs> accurate I, you know what? I applaud you. Yeah, Thank I applaud you. you. That's fantastic. Way yeah. to streamline the show. We can talk about the story <laughs> real quick. I mean, you know, and then we can we'll tie get that to into opinions. opinions. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll... Story, it, again, this is a very creative story. I but, would argue this is one of the most creative stories well, of all time. It blends a lot of different elements in because, like, I feel like the dystopian world has, has been done. And uh-huh. even at this time, it's kind of been done to death. The right. dystopian future. But then also kind of like the anti-technology stuff had been done. I mean, we literally just did an entire franchise right. about this but this like ties them in together right and plays it off in such a different way and and even you know this movie is over 20 years old and i didn't even know like i thought that the plot was he takes the pill and he goes into the matrix i didn't never even realize that he was always in the matrix he gets out of the matrix like i didn't even know the dystopian future of it all did somebody did somebody spoil somebody did spoil that for me um somebody that's in the room right now and it's it's not you yeah it's not me Ooh. Hit the old dusty trail. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> no, it's just, it is a really creative story, and it's really well done. Uh, I completely agree with okay. that. Um, go ahead, please. No, I, I don't really have anything to add on the story. I mean, you nailed it. Cool. So let's talk about our opinions. Uh, yes. John, you are our guest. you want to start with your opinion yeah, on this Yeah, please. Movie? I want to hear what you uh, think about this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, this movie is obviously it's it's iconic in uh, several ways. We've we, we filmed the acting a few times. I, I mentioned the Sadas earlier. Ryan's mentioned the story a couple times. I mean, we've all hit on different things that really stick out. Right. I definitely cannot continue this without talking about the. Uh, I wish I had names, but the cast and crew for this movie specifically, the Wachowskis. I think they they wrote the whole script, right? They have. Yeah, yeah, they wrote it's the script. Just the Wachowskis. Yeah, they. 
killed it. Uh, great job. The, the script is amazing. So many iconic moments came out of this movie between the, the lean back, dodge this, I know kung fu. You uh -huh. mentioned yep. the dojo fight. Yeah. Man. At a loss for words? Yeah. No, <laughs> no I kind of am because there's, there's so much you could say about this movie. The Wachowskis nailed it. They, they really found lightning in a bottle here. Yeah. And yeah. I would be really curious to know, like, if people bought into this for Y2K because they were kind of, you know, yeah, it's, a few it's, months I out mean, from yeah, this. Yeah, literally. I'm curious to know if anybody was saw The Matrix and was like, Y2K! We're <laughs> about to leave. I definitely, <laughs> I mean, this movie definitely, like, in John, I think you even mentioned it, that this movie did have people questioning their lives. That's right. I forgot to mention and, that. And, and like... And Am I really in a program? Is this mundane yeah. Yeah. thing? Because even using like in the movie, they reference like deja vu yep. as it's this glitch in the matrix and everything. And people like question like, why do these things happen? Why do these things feel familiar and things yeah. like that? So it, it is really interesting in that way. Well, I was going to say just on top of like that idea of all of us being in the matrix, you can't really talk about this movie without talking about all of the allegories that go along with this. Yeah. I know one of the big theories, especially online has been the trans allegory for the cat, you know, for the story and stuff of that and this is really the only movie that does it but I actually found the allegory to be a very popular movement that's going on right now is the anti-work movement I kind of found this whole idea of all of us being stuck in this uh, mundane life that yep. we're all living and being able to break out of it and go do your own thing I kind of got that yeah. sort of allegory we, out of it like an anti-work well, allegory we are pegs you know? in the machine we are cogs in this machine yeah. and if we could just break out of this we can change everything and yeah live our best lives and not have to worry about work all the time yeah and i i, I that was the, that's actually what i got from this yeah. movie when i watched this one this is really the only one that hits on that stuff because the other two obviously they, they kind of just become like it becomes like a war movie yeah. essentially yeah. yeah but this is really the movie that really hit on that for me and that's what i got out of it watching it where i was like i was like yeah this is a, this is like a real powerful like yeah. anti-work sentiment and I, I i really like that i think a really good movie like has a message but also can be interpreted in different ways so yeah. whether they yeah. meant that to, to right. be interpreted that way or not but the fact that you are able to pick up and into it does speak for the, the quality of the right, movie yeah. and, and again I went into this franchise having a little bit of a sour taste on the Wachowskis and walking out of this really impressed mm -hmm. by them by their skills right. and, and understanding why they do have this legacy yeah. and understanding why they are these important figures right. in, in the industry so I, I, I did I mean I thought it was a, a fun and intriguing film we kind of mentioned it but you know it did kind of maybe not create but it really popularized these very interesting techniques i know mm -hmm. that that a lot of like the freeze frame technique and the bullet time and stuff they yeah, had kind yeah. of been done like teased a little bit in other stuff from what i understand they didn't create that technology or whatever right, right. but they are able to kind of pioneer it pioneer it in a different manner they like, didn't I, do they didn't do it to the level that this no, movie does no i mean i think literally like the freeze frame and move the camera stuff was literally like a gap commercial so like they were like hey let's take that kind of like thing <laughs> and put it into an action movie and <laughs> they, see what we can do they watched the gap commercial and went that's what i want in the movie right so, there they wrote the movie around the gap commercial yeah i i do think look that how they spun around that t-shirt i like that <laughs> i do think that part of this is it's hard to watch this movie at least for me i guess you andrew you didn't have this issue mm. but looking back on this over 20 years later this movie has been parodied spoofed homage yes. in so many ways so i like john we did watch this together and i mentioned to you that like i like i was watching this and i kind of wanted to be like wow they're using these old tricks again but it's no 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 these this is is mm -hmm. the, the yeah. old trick like this is the this is where it came from so it is hard because i've seen all these i've seen 
this stuff done to death in other movies, but I have to look at it like this is where it came from. This is the origin of, of that. Again, not right. that they created it, but right. this is where it. So I do think that for anybody who's coming at it for the first time, that that kind of like multiple decades of just jokes about it and things mm-hmm. has damaged it a little bit for newcomers. But if you keep that in mind, it's still enjoyable and it's still again, it's very impressive. I'm not trying to take away. No, from for it. sure, the technology so, is it's it's a mind blowing movie. Um, but yeah, it, sure. it, it it is a world building movie. It creates such an interesting world and it does have some like you mentioned thought provoking moments for the audience yeah. to really take into. So mm-hmm. and to to hit on a, a couple things you you had mentioned earlier the the trans allegory. If I remember correctly, the directors came out and said this is what we wanted the movie to be. It is a trans allegory. They couldn't do it. They couldn't just they couldn't have it be real blatant. But mm-hmm. it what it is a trans allegory. And this podcast gave me a reason to go back and watch the Matrix because I, I hadn't seen it for a while. And then knowing what I know now, it's so easy to connect the dots. It's crystal clear if you you know yes watch it. Yes. Like oh my god, how did I miss this before? But right, you were know, teenagers before. But it, <laughs> it's just it's just so easy to be like oh yeah, this all makes perfect sense. Like right. yeah, coming out of the Matrix is you know the, is the coming out as, a, as a trans individual. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. man, it's just it's really clear, and I really I like it a lot. It's it's pretty incredible, and for them to kind of I feel like do they they talk, they confirm that theory way later, right? This isn't like the movie comes out and they confirm that. That's not something oh, yeah. they, this is like in the past year or two. This has been the past year or two. And I think that's really cool that they kind of uh, went back and they looked at it and they said, yeah, it was meant to be that. Yeah. Which I think is fascinating yeah, well, that they were able to kind of get that idea in there <laughs> yeah, but still promote the movie. But, <laughs> but still promote the movie yeah. without really saying that it was mm-hmm. and then coming out all these years later and saying like, oh yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Like if that's what you're getting out of it, that's exactly what we intended. And yeah. that's, really, that's really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, but you mentioned too like you were a teenager when you watch this movie, you don't pick up on that. That's kind of uh, kind of the strength of this movie is you can watch this without thinking of any of that or looking at any of that yeah. enjoy the action sequences the sci-fi yeah. elements yeah. and and the kung fu and all that and be like wow that's so cool but then as an adult or if you really want to think about it mm-hmm. you can sit down and watch this movie and break it down and look at the, the those thought provoking moments and, and those questions and those allegories and, and really old, pick up I think up the it. older you get the more you get out of it exactly yeah. that's how I feel about I, it I, yeah. I believe like and we'll tie this right into our ratings I didn't like love this movie but I would be willing to bet that if in a couple mm-hmm. years I went back to this I would bet that I would enjoy yeah, it more yeah. and, 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 and it would it would my score probably will be higher right. so I give this movie all the credit in the world for those elements this it, Andrew, we were talking off mic about how this is kind of similar to my opinions on the first Terminator movie, right, right. where I wasn't crazy about that movie overall, <laughs> right. but I respected it and adored the elements that it brought right. and the new elements and what it did. And it's the same thing here. Although I think I enjoyed this over the original Terminator, actually. Oh, cool. Because of that, as of right now, and hey, maybe in the next couple of weeks, my, my opinion will change. But as of right now, I'm giving this three and a half stars. Cool. I really liked this movie. I really respected this movie. And it's really well done. Yeah. Uh, for me, I gave this four and a half stars. Yeah. It just really worked for me. I, I can see why this is such a legendary film. I can see why it's considered one of the best films of not just 1999, but kind of of all time. I think it's kind of, in its own way, gotten into that conversation. Yeah, it, I, like I said, I got so much out of it just watching it that I, I would revisit this in an instant. So yeah. four and a half for me. Yeah, it's, it's a solid four. Fantastic movie. Cast, screenplay, effects, everything, you know, nailed it. I was kind of hoping one of us would say two. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but no. Screw it. Two. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This sucked. <laughs> um, it's funny because this is the third franchise we're doing. And right. 
this is the third action franchise. Mm-hmm. Action sci-fi, you know, but still action. And I feel like all three of the franchises that we've covered so far, at least one of these movies has kind of redefined like an action movie and right. what it means to be an action movie. Right. Where obviously this kind of brings in the kung fu. I, I know you disagree with me, John, yeah. but this kind of brings in the kung fu elements into the the Western, the American film. And, sure. and, and highlights it more and shows off, you know, what really can be done with that. Because obviously, you know, it's very popular in, in Asian cinema and, right. and, and even in America too. But this kind of revitalized that love for it. Everybody was kind of talking about it again. The techniques and everything they right, use. Right, right. Terminator, specifically Terminator 2, brings in, you know, kind of shows what the 90s action movies will be with a lot of chase sequences, right. shooting sequences, but the special effects and the big, large moments. Right. And, I mean, look, you, John, you can disagree with us, but fast. Five, which Andrew, that's, you argue that no, it's, is it's, one of the mo- most important the most action movies. Yeah, absolutely important. I, yes. Oh. Okay. And and what yeah. they what they're showing Truly. off, and in a world that is kind of losing itself in special effects, it's showing off what's possible with practical effects. Yeah. What can be done when you really put the effort in, and how to use these different types of sequences right. to tell this movie. That movie never stops. Yeah. Absolutely. So so wait, well, okay, John. What is it that you disagree with? Redefining action movies, I think, is a, is a, a bit of a stretch for me. For for fast the, for the fast franchise. Well, um, maybe you should revisit them. I don't I think I need to, but okay. I'm not a big fan of the fast franchise, just in general. Okay, so well, I mean, glad to have you as a guest. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do want to point out that agree with me podcast. <laughs> Welcome to agree with me. So let's talk uniqueness. <laughs> What stands out in this movie? It's the action sequences. It's the story. Yeah. Uh, the performances. Just to hit a few, John, please. No, I for me, I was like, it's like what's what's not this movie definitely set a bar. Yeah. For what you know, what movies are going to be. Yeah. Like without this, would we have a bunch of other like? So this really brought gun fu into yes. the, uh, the, a more modern light. Yeah. And with the Matrix, would we have other franchises like like John Wick? Even the Matrix crawled so John Wick could run. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can see um, that. Yeah, uh, it's at least um, unique in America because again, a lot of those elements did exist in like Asian cinema and other in other countries. But here in America, I feel like that really wasn't crossed over mm-hmm. and highlighted. So at least in here, you're right. Like the, that style of fighting and everything, and showing it to a whole new audience and, and introducing all that. But the characters, the performances, the world building, the the filming techniques, it, it all stands out. Most of the effects for me hold up really well yeah. too. Um, like up, up until they start doing doing close-ups on faces and stuff. And, and the Sentinels, some of the Sentinel stuff is a little... Oh, I mentioned that. I gushed <laughs> about this. The, the design of everything in, in Out of the Matrix, the ship design blows me away every single time I see it. I mentioned this for every movie. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned it. I agree with Just, this, too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the magnetic plates on tops and bottoms of the ship. What a good idea. Yeah. Like, it just... The production design is off the charts. Yes, everything absolutely. feels real. And even in later movies, the, the design of, of Zion and the, the robots they use later. Yeah. Um, Those walking robots that look like they're out of the yeah. video game, incredible. Yeah. Well, even mm-hmm. even the, the Sentinels, and I know they don't explicitly say how they uh, how they want to fly, but I'm going to take a leap and say that anything we could design, the machines could refine, so yeah, they right. have the same kind of magnetic, you know, floating, whatever. Yeah, the, the Sentinels are insane for me. I love the design yeah. of yeah. everything. Yeah, and for the most part, I, they look fantastic. It's a couple of the closer shots, and it's more yeah. it's more in the second and third one, I think, where they really are 
introduced more yeah. and used more. They have a bigger yeah, yeah. Those, that, yeah. It, some of those closer shots is a little you know I, I get it, but again, the movie's twenty years old. I, I understand. Yeah, right. But right. it's just because everything else looks so good and like the use of like a green tint when they're in the Matrix uh, versus more a of like a blue when tint when they're out. When yeah. They're out. Yeah. yeah, incredible. Uh, does this movie bring anything new? I mean, we've been talking about it this entire we have time, been. but yeah, yeah. But new techniques, bullet time, freeze frame camera movements. Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of those. Right. Again, maybe they didn't create those, but pioneering those. The advanced those and, film. Exactly. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Anything else that you guys want to mention on that? Or? That's it yeah. for me. Yeah, I think, we bas- I think we've like literally talked about yeah, how yeah, we're yeah. going, so I'm, I don't have anything to add to that. Um, so then, what is the best scene in this movie? Yes! For me, it is the uh, Neo and Morpheus dojo fight. Yeah. I think that for really sure. stands out. I think it's an absolute standout scene. It showcases the fighting style that they are going to continue to use throughout the series, but it's also just a great moment of Morpheus and Neo kind of in a way bonding a little bit and he's teaching him and the action sequence in that is just unbelievable because yep. that's when they start showing off that's when yep. the uh, Wachowskis essentially start showing off and going look at what we can do look at this and it's it's really it's a great scene it's a character moment within an action scene it's a character it's, moment within yeah. an action scene yeah that's exactly great wording yeah I have uh, Morpheus's introduction and the, and the red pill blue pill speech I, I initially highlighted and but I was going to choose the final fight between Neo and Agent Smith but you know what you sold me on the dojo fight I'm gonna Alright, cool. <laughs> yeah. So but that that speech because again we talked about when we talked about Lawrence Fishburne, but that is pure his charisma and like you're in. Like yeah. Like like that guy comes to me and we're like, Yeah, I'm, I'm taking this pill. I'm I'm in. I, yes. I'm, I'm I'm doing yes. it. So. Yes. I'm taking the medicine. Yeah, I want it. I've been thinking about this movie a lot this past week just to try and be ready for this specific question. For me, it's Neo's first meeting with the Oracle. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. That's a great I, scene. I forget what last name is, but Glorious Performance as the Oracle is uh that's the 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 tone shift of everything else in the movie to just being in this kind of nice light kitchen I know you're gonna break the vase but would you have broken it if I didn't tell you the the know thyself above the door and just the subversion of you're not the one like you're not you're not you're not the guy like <laughs> just to really give everyone um False you know yeah, get that they're not false hope. But. Get their noggin jogging. Yeah, just be like, well, if he isn't the one, now he's gonna have to become it. And it just right. It gets a lot of things going. Yeah, like a lot of things stick out. Like you mentioned, the Smith and Neo fight, the dojo fight. But for for me, that was that was always the one where it's just it's the first time someone's been straight with Neo, as straight as the Oracle can be with right. him, and just been like, here's the deal. Right. And, mm-hmm. and like, you're not the guy. And she was right. He yeah. wasn't. Well, I mean, so that's much so, so much so that I knew that he was the one. Like obviously that again because this movie's twenty years old. Yeah, I knew he was the one. <laughs> and there's two other ones. Yeah, and, and, and you and you hear all the time. Oh, he's the one. His, yeah, his it's... name is Neo. It's an anagram for one. Like yes. I, I understand <laughs> he is the one. But like when she said you're not the one, I'm like, well, he's not the one. I bought him. I'm sold. She's not. He's <laughs> if the Oracle saying it, must be true. Yeah. So, let's talk connectivity again. This doesn't really so have this much is, to connect this with. This week it's going to be really quick, but over the next couple weeks it'll grow. Yeah. But... The first question is, you know, how does this set the tone for the franchise? So there's no nothing to fit in with but this this the first movie in the franchise always has to set that world so yeah. how does this set the tone for the rest the of the franchise with, uh, it sets the tone with the world building it accomplishes and how they're going to expand on that world in the next two movies it sets the tone kind of with the characters that they introduce to us I mean some get more moments later on like we like I was saying Morpheus kind of becomes a background character yeah. which is upsetting but you really get to see Neo and really Trinity grow over mm-hmm. these next two mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. and I guess in a way really in his own uh 
sardonic way Agent Smith grows yeah. Uh, yeah. as well. So yeah. it kind of feels like they're all getting character moments, but we also get the tone of what this franchise is going to do action-wise. Because basically, I would say everything you see action-wise, like fight scenes and stuff like that, kind of just becomes the staple of the franchise because yeah. Reloaded has like three of them. So it kind of becomes the staple of doing that and it grows, but I think it really sets the tone for um, what kind of action this is going to bring to the yeah. big screen. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree. Matrix for me is definitely the, like the tip of the iceberg for what the rest of the series is going to be in terms of, of, like you said, world building and mm-hmm. the things that they're going to accomplish with the rest of their characters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it creates an interesting world, both in the po- post-apocalyptic real world and the idea of the Matrix. And it does set up some interesting concepts that too can be explored later on. Yeah. So is this a worthy start? to the franchise. Absolutely. No question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a very good start for the franchise. Before we, we get into our uh, future and before we do our casting, I do want to just say uh-huh. one thing is, is and I, I Andrew, I kind of mentioned to you off, off microphone, uh-huh. and this is something I think that we'll talk about a little bit more with the next couple of movies, but sure. my one, like, not issue, but the one thing I at least noticed in this movie, You're it, 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 with, especially with the Wachowskis, and again, I'm not going to get into it with them, but it, this movie is, is very intense intelligently written yes but this movie knows it's very intelligently written it's pretentious and and this okay? movie <laughs> this movie there were, the first one not so much pretentious it gets but i think more. the second and third more. one are a little bit more yeah. pretentious but it, this movie does feel like at times that it's kind of patting itself on the back of how right. smart it is like i can kind of feel like the wachowski's sitting next to me going look do you see how smart that was did you pick that up on it's <laughs> <laughs> like you're in the theater and they're next to you and they're elbowing you on either side hey hey ryan we're pretty smart huh yeah, I... I... Right, right guy. Right guy. <laughs> Look at this. I Wachowski, have... stop! <laughs> I had forgotten all about the the final monologue until we watched it again. Yeah, the last monologue really kind of spoils the tone for me. Because he's like, we're coming to get you. And it's like, you don't gotta... I, know he's, I think he's talking to Smith at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, we didn't need that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, in a way, it was written as, like... <laughs> Like, I think they were keeping the door open for a second movie. Yeah. And I think they almost knew they were going to get a second movie. Yeah. Because they were, I think they were literally writing there going, this is so good. They're like, they're going <laughs> to give us a second movie. What? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, like, this it's is really gonna, this is gonna, We're going to get a trilogy and out of this. I'm There's not no even doubt. trying to put them down. It's just that there is something I did notice and I had, feel like I had to mention it because you can feel like sometimes, and, and it is kind of similar to James Cameron, who we talked about with Terminator movies, the first two. Right. That that he's doing incredible stuff. And and maybe not even in those movies, but James Cameron later on in his career, like he does no, really no, I mean, incredible stuff. He does incredible stuff, but he's always patting himself on the back. He I knows mean, he's he, he knows he's a great he director. He knows he's a great director. I mean, I mean, I think Titanic alone, I mean, the way he shows everything off, I mean, Avatar, come yeah. on. I mean, that's so, like, I mean... The re-release of Avatar. The, <laughs> and the third re-release of Avatar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I bet, like, Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 are going to be the same thing. I mean, like... Jesus. You know... We're getting five of those things. We're going to get five of them, and, you know, James Cameron's going to stroke off to every one of them. <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I guess that Johnson doesn't want to be on the Avatar episodes. So, no, uh, no, no, no. They're, we, they're not going to be out by the time. Like, we'll be dead before Avatar 3 comes out. They claim the next one's coming next year. I don't believe they're it. They're claiming that the next one comes next year, 2022. And then, apparently, they're supposed to come out every two years after that. So it'd be 2022, 24, 26, and 28. And basically cover the 2020s. I'll make you an honor, but we'll all be dead before the third one comes out. Oh, I out. guarantee it. I guarantee it. Um, James Cameron will be dead and he's still doing it. So. <laughs> but, yeah. 
it's <laughs> it, it, it is just something I did want to mention because again, we we went after Cameron a little bit when we did the Terminator movie. So oh, rightfully I, so, I, I, rightfully yeah, so. Let's I, not, not I, back. I'm not no, no, shy. I'm, not, I'm not taking my comments back. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to shy away from doing the same thing with the Wachowski. Yeah, no, you know? no, no, so. shame you for it. Me, what's your grade? Uh, no, no, that that was that was the whole thing. That they were just a little. That's it's it's a little I'm saving all that for the for the retrospective. I've been I've been asked to not talk about. I have. I've 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 asked him to uh, save the Wachowski rant for the retrospective because it, it bogs down the movie talk. Well, We're here for the I'm, movie, not them. Tune in for the retrospective for my full thoughts on the Wachowski. Yes, yes, tune um, in. I'm, but, I'm very interested in that, actually. Yeah, you're going to love it. Let's talk about some casting and some fun facts. This is the favorite so, part of the show. I do have the four main actors all have their own subsections. Sure. Neo, Trinity, Morpheus, and Agent Smith. I also have a section for the others. So I'm going to do... One Neo, just because it's kind of the one everybody knows, and then I'm going to work my way back from the other. So the the big, obviously, casting thing, or what-if casting for this movie that people have known for a very long time yeah. is that the Wachowskis originally pitched this movie to Will Smith, who turned this down to do Wild Wild West. Great choice. So <laughs> What? A yeah. Poor. Good career move for him. Poor choice. He it's, ha- it's maybe one of the biggest career fumbles of all time. You know what? I mean, I think for this movie, it's probably better. Like, he would have been interesting, but I think Keanu is better in this role. I could not see Will Smith doing like maybe this the first movie I but I don't think I, I could see him doing the second and third movie. I think you're undervaluing Will Smith a little bit. He is on the top of his game at this point. 95 Bad Boys. But I think he's a little 96 Independence Day 97 Men in Black. Uh, what I'm saying is He was a is, star. He was a mega star. Yeah man. but I think he's too charismatic for the role. He, he's not going to nail that that wonder of it I don't think. I don't also think he's a very good actor. You need to watch King Richard it's fan- he's fantastic. Yeah, he's really good. He, King he is fantastic. I've, I've seen him. I saw him in. Uh, are you are you Persu- doubting a Men in Black uh, performance right now? No, no. Oh, I'm saying I was he's, gonna say he's re- unbelievable. In that no, movie. I'm saying he. Um, I I saw him in like Pursuit of Happiness is the only one I've seen him in a serious role in. And from what I can tell, he like only replays himself in movies, and I find that very annoying. Okay. Yeah. No, that that is a critique of him yeah. that he kind of plays himself, but he Every is movie. able I to think, bring char- look, charisma to it, and I understand that. I get that. It's yeah. fine. I think that he's shown in in King. Richard that he can really get into a character. So, <laughs> well, I'm 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 glad to hear that um, Will Smith has more serious roles that I could. Probably no, I I, I do completely agree with what you're saying though. He does have this tendency to kind of be himself in these movies, and it's really his charisma that yeah. drives the performances. Yeah. And you know, he does things to kind of try to not be himself, but at the core of it, it really looks like you're just watching Will Smith. There's a point and that like like in Bad Boys, I I haven't seen his movies, but he he basically seems like he's playing we're gonna Will do Smith. Him. Absolutely. <laughs> But he seems like he's basically playing Will Smith. Hitch is very clearly Will Smith. Shark right. Tale is Will Smith. Like Men in Black is even Will Smith. Yeah. But I think it's peak Will Smith. But even then, I think two and three are more than than than, than one. That's how I feel but, about Men but in yeah. Black. I, I think, think he, Agent J is like peak Will Smith. I think yeah. he's a really talented uh, actor. I, I really like him. You know, if I want like a fun, charismatic role, I can go to that. But if right. I want more of the dramatic, he does have some options. Absolutely. There. So, yeah. But uh, he did um, make a YouTube video a couple years ago back detailing this pitch from the Wachowskis. It's uh-huh. actually a really interesting video. Right. And I recommend anybody to look it up. He does detail into the pitch from the Wachowskis and he mentioned, um, uh, we'll get to it in just a little bit, but they pitched him another Morpheus. It was not Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. And, but he basically said that like, the pitch to him was kind of like we're going to slow down time and there's going to be bullets and we're going to go and we're going to go around you and he was just kind of like yeah I don't get it he said it wasn't a very good pitch and it was like (laughs) yeah when you explain it like that when you you explain it like there's going to be bullets and go if I was an actor I would also go yeah no no (laughs) 
Why don't you uh, get out of my house right now? <laughs> Stop, Wachowskis! <laughs> I don't know. It's been 20 years since The Matrix came out. I can't imagine that they just went, say, bullets, we're going to on time, and woo. I can't imagine that's how the pitch went. I don't know, man. But, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Get get the request. Well, you, you also don't know oh. when they approached him for the pitch. Like It could have been before the movie was really developed that much, Yeah. and yeah. they were trying to pitch it to him pretty early on. Yeah. So you don't know. Actually, um, I don't. Uh, but let's go to the other characters let's and, and work our way back. So the character of Switch was originally meant to be played by an Adronimus actor, with the character in the real world being male and in the Matrix being female. Oh, so that's that, fascinating. That goes into more of kind of the trans yeah, like message and everything. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, when Belinda McClory, who got the role, auditioned for the role of Switch, it was originally for only half of the role, only for the female right, half. Right. But Warner Brothers refined the idea and she ended up getting the single role in both environments. <laughs> I just I just want to say, when you said refined, you threw yeah. air quotes yeah. around it, just uh, so everyone knows. It definitely seems like no, Warner Brothers was they, like... They said, oh, we don't like that at all. No. Yeah. They said, we don't we, we don't want an androgynous character. No, we can't do that. What do you it, want? Representation? No. Get out of here. It's 1999. Friends is still going. Friends is hitting the heyday. Um, is not a good show to watch. Yeah, I don't like Friends. Michael Hutchins <laughs> was allegedly cast in a major role in the film, but he committed suicide only three days after learning he got the role. Oh, jeez. Um, um, oh, that's and, exciting. And uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, who you may know as La Bamba in yes. the film La Bamba, yeah, yeah, yeah. was sent the script but was told by his agent the movie would be a flop. So he didn't Who's pursue play? I didn't say that's oh, why it's okay. in the other that's why it's in the other huh. I see. Um, so agent smith john reno was approached to play agent smith but turned it down and started in godzilla instead uh give me uh, he's in godzilla he's he's in a, he's in a couple things he's like a french actor and he he's had like a couple things in oh. the yeah i know okay I, yeah. he, he, he turned it down now. to do the matthew broderick godzilla? yes yep oh what a bad choice yep. yeah that's um, a bad choice well he apparently did not want to move to australia to film because the movie was filmed in australia right he didn't want to move to australia have to um, move there. You just gotta go there for a few months and then come back. Christopher Maloney auditioned <laughs> for the role of Agent Smith. So. I love Christopher Maloney. Yeah. He's great. Is that Law and Order, right? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, SVU. Oh, and he's yeah. currently on. He's in Happy, right? Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. He's in Happy, that uh, sci-fi show. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, um, so. and he kind of has a small movie career, but yeah, he's great. Morpheus. Let's talk about Morpheus. Ooh. So in Will Smith's YouTube video talking about turning down the role of Neo, he mentions that the Wachowskis pitched him Val Kilmer as Morpheus. I don't think I would have liked yeah. that. And I also don't like the fact that Although like. He he could do it, I, but I don't think he'd be good at it. I don't like the fact that like they have to go with like one of them has to be white, and one of them has to be black. Like why doesn't why does it matter? Like if we have a black yeah, Neo, we have yeah. to have a white Morpheus. Why does it matter? Like right. that, that's kind of all putting to me. Yeah. So, but Gary Oldman and Samuel L. Jackson were apparently considered for the role at one point. I think both great choices. Uh, Russell Crowe turned down the role oh. and has said, uh, "I just didn't get it. I couldn't get past page 42. <laughs> That, I, just, I just didn't get it, mate. I read it and I said, what is this? That world was just get not... Get this crap out of here. That world was just not <laughs> interesting to me. Chow Yun-Fat turned down the role. What's um, uh, he? So he's, he's an Asian actor... He was in Pirates of the Caribbean in the third the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie is like the Pirate King. They try, like I think oh, he's King. yeah cool. he's and he's he's Master Roshi in oh, in the Dragon Ball God. movie. Yeah, yeah, funny, yeah. That one, now I know who it is. So, oh, that's funny. Um, uh, For, fortunately, a movie we will not speak of in on here. We uh, never have to talk about it. Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington, Anthony it. Hopkins, I, I knew it. Malcolm McDowell and Robert De Niro were considered for the role. I knew it. I knew you were going to just so. name this list of like A list actors. 
And who that was the sense. other one you said? Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Yes, but he. I think he's more for a role in the second movie. Like oh, they, he was in my list. I bet you're right. I think the architect. I think that they thought about him, but yeah. he's he, uh, he's coming up in the next week. It's always funny so. to hear Denzel's name because it feels like he's always attached to these big movies. Yeah, but he would have been good. But honestly, Morgan Freeman. No, I can't go wrong with Morgan Freeman. Well, no, I, but it's Lawrence Fishburne's the choice. Yeah, go ahead. Just talk over me. I have a really hard time. Yeah, I know. Imagining anybody else as Morpheus. Well, you better get like, used to it because it's coming. Oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> but, like, but even so, unless that guy tries to mimic the performance of Lawrence Fishburne, which would be pretty awkward. He seems like he is. I, is I, he? Think, I think that's the point. I think he's literally <laughs> oh, doing the same man. thing. But I will yeah, say, no, I think man. I think you're right. I think Lawrence Fishburne, now that, I, now that we've seen the movie with Lawrence Fishburne, I wouldn't want any other actor yeah, in yeah. there. But there's interesting choices. No, of course, of oh, course. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so we have Trinity. Oh, boy. Uh, Sandra Bullock was reportedly offered the role of Trinity. Yeah, brunette um, bombshell. She turned it down because it, it says because Will let Smith. Let me guess. Let me guess. She didn't understand it either. No, because okay. uh, Will Smith was in the film apparently. Because Will Smith called her and said these Wachowskis were just in here and they pitched me this uh, idea and they went there'll be bullets and we go woo and I, I was just I was thrown off. <laughs> But I, I don't, it's not that, it, it's not like that Sandra Bullock has a problem with Will Smith. I think it's because she found out later that Keanu was, was obviously, was um, Neo. And she ended up regretting her decision because she just loves working with Keanu and wanted to work with him again. So. So she didn't do the movie because Will Smith was attached? I just don't think that it, one, it interested her. But I think she, basically what the point is, I think that if, if she found out Keanu was going to be the role, oh, she, she would have been done. more interested yeah. in just working with him again. Right, right. Not really caring about what move, the movie actually right. Right. Okay. So I gotta say, I'm not sure she has like, the physicality that you would need for that movie. Oh, you're, you're right. right. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, yeah, for sure. That'd be that would be interesting though. Gillian Anderson from The X Files. Yeah. Uh, allegedly turned down the role of Trinity. Jada Pinkett Smith auditioned for the role. Well, she didn't get it, but obviously would later on go to play Hell the yeah. character of Naomi in the sequels. Here's one of those lists: Marissa Tomei, Selma Hayek, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Jennifer Lopez. Angelina Jolie, Angie Harmon, Drew Barrymore, Kate Hudson, Uma Thurman, Ming-Na Wen, Michelle Yeoh, Lucy Liu, Heather Graham, Elizabeth Hurley, Mariska Hargitay, Jennifer Beals, and Ashley Judd all either auditioned oh or were offered the role oh. and turned it down. So I don't like any of them uh, <laughs> over Carrie Ann Moss. But who, who stood out to you? Did Uma somebody Thurman. Stand? Okay. I, I would have liked yeah, you're right. Ming-Na Wen. She's, well, she's Mulan in, like, in the, the actual animated voice of Mulan. And oh, she's in okay. The Mandalorian. She's Boba Fett's the, oh, yeah, okay. assistant. You're right. Okay. Yeah, um, that's really cool. Uma Thurman, great she? choice. She's older. Yeah, she's older. I in Mandalorian, she looks like she's young. I know. She's, okay. She's surprisingly older than you would think. Yeah. yeah. So Uma um, Thurman's a good choice. Seven. Too. Yeah, she, yeah, well, yeah, Uma seven. Thurman and um, early Angelina because she when she did uh, yeah. Laura obviously. Yeah. I'm not saying I would prefer her, but it didn't surprise me that she right right. She, Drew she, Barrymore she's... surprised me. Drew Barrymore is a surprise. I wouldn't have expected. I was well, shocked. They either that... auditioned or they were shell shocked. They were either auditioned or they were offered the role. So I don't know who did what. So some of these might have been, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty like, shocking. Um, to hear Drew Barrymore go for the role for Trinity, knowing what I know about Trinity, it wouldn't have worked. Wow. Yeah, I don't that think that would have worked. Um, I don't think that would have worked. Janet Jackson was initially approached for the role of Trinity. Janet Jackson? Scheduling conflicts stopped her from taking it. She would later state that turning down the role was difficult for her. So she later referenced the film in the intro and outro interludes on her album Discipline. Oh. Did she do much acting? She did a little bit, I think. She did a little. I mean, she's, she's more musician. Yeah. I think yeah. she tried to do that thing where she transitioned from musician to acting like that whole you know I see. because um, naturally if you're a musician you can act too everybody knows right. that Madonna 
revealed on the Jimmy Fallon Ooh. show that she turned down the role, turned said turned down a role in the film. I'm pretty sure it was Trinity, and believe that this was one of the Ooh. best films ever made. Yeah, she's right. So yeah, I wouldn't have liked I'm her. Glad she said no. I mean, yeah. maybe I, they I want don't... her for Switch. I don't know, but maybe Switch would have been fine. But again, I, again, yeah. another actor. I'm, I'm just I, I hear some of those names and I go, I just don't like any of them because I think Carrie wants to some good in the role. I just yeah. am like, ah. just the physicality they would need to do this. I'm, I'm thinking of these uh, of these women. I'm just like, man, Carrie on Moss really was the right call. And I, yeah. To be fair, I, ha- I don't know what she was in before The Matrix, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen her much after. So I mean, I may have felt the same way if it had been somebody else. Right. Than Carrie Ann Moss. Absolutely. So I can't, yeah. I can't speak to that. So let's do the big one then, Neo. We already did the Will Smith thing. Yeah. According to composer and longtime Wachowski collaborator Don Davis, Johnny Depp was the Wachowski's original first choice Ooh. for Neo. That's had a fascinating time in his career, though. Let's keep that in mind. He had just done Scissorhands? No, is Scissorhands it? is early. 90s. Yeah, it's early. Scissor, okay. It's like 1990, I think. 99 is probably around Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Okay. WB, though, wanted Brad Pitt or Val Kilmer. Ooh. Brad Pitt would be interesting. He was too busy with Fight Club, though. Yeah. yeah, uh, would, yeah. would you yeah, rather... I, I that's think an he's... interesting question. Switch out. Do you? Would you rather Brad Pitt in Fight Club or Matrix? If you had Fight the choice? Club. I mean, Fight I, Club. I, I think Fight he's... Club any day, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. again, I think that might be... Maybe he's too charismatic or maybe he's too, like, handsome. Like pretty for the I role, think I, I, I agree with that. I do yeah. think he's, I think he's a little too good looking, and I think the way he's used in Fight Club mm. actually advances not, his career more than the Matrix would. Not if that he was Keanu is an, is an unattractive yeah. man. My wife would kill me if I like said Brad Pitt was more attractive than Keanu. She loves Keanu. That's great. But after Kilmer and Pitt turned down the role, uh, Warner Brothers was willing to consider Depp. But then it came down to Depp and Keanu, and it just seems like Keanu was more interested in this than Depp was, and they yeah. ended up going that way. It's the right. So call. glad. Knowing what I know about Johnny Depp and, you know, his performances, man, am I glad that we with Keanu. Keanu's the right choice, I think, at the end of the day. I'm interested yeah. in hearing this because I know that there's a man that you love. In 1999, another movie came out, another big franchise movie came out called The Phantom Menace, and a little man <laughs> uh, by the name of Ewan McGregor was apparently off for the role. <laughs> <laughs> or he turned down. I didn't know that. He, he is. That is a fun fact. <laughs> that is. That is. That's an actor. All right, John. What do you oh, think? You and McGregor. That's an actor. That is a fine-looking man. I just want to say that is a fine-looking man. Honestly, it's based on mean. I think he would be too good of an actor for this movie. <laughs> really? He. I, wow. I, you don't think he could elevate the movie with his acting? You maybe? just think he's well, too no, good for the material? No, it's because <laughs> I enjoy how endearing Keanu Reeves is in this role. Uh huh. Because I don't know. Again, it goes to like that, like uh, okay. wide-eyed, yeah. like wonder yeah. of it. Ewan McGregor. Would you rather him in the Matrix or Star Wars? Star Wars. Star Wars. I yeah. love. Hippos of Wall Kenobi is pitched. But at that time, so, in 1999. So he turned it down, obviously, for The Phantom Menace, because yeah. he was doing that. I guess so, I would do that, choice. too. I guess if it comes down to it, and you're like, do you want to work with George Lucas or the Wachowskis? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a very you, you, fair you, point. You, you take George Lucas. Yeah. yeah. And again, look, just because some of these are these are getting pretty to be pretty big names, I found this stuff online. Is it really true? I don't know. But some of it's probably been confirmed. I mean, I imagine this stuff's coming from somewhere. Right. But, but I right. just I just wanted to throw down the no little disclaimer. No investigation happening here. Uh, no, well, I, I, I am investigating. No, yeah. I meant like uh, okay. in the field. Let me call up Lana and Lily and see how they're doing. Yeah, let me. <laughs> call you uh, and get on the phone. <laughs> David Duchovny <laughs> turned down the role to star in the 1998 X-Files film. X-Files film. Mm. Leonardo DiCaprio turned down the role supposedly because he was concerned about the amount of visual effects in the film. That's a dumb reason to turn anything down, I think. I don't 
agree. Really? I think that's a fun reason to not to not do a film. Yeah, but didn't you... he also do the Titanic? Which is like he just did Titanic. Like, I, I guess a previously. lot of that's practical though. Yeah, a lot of what what would he have interacted with that wasn't a practical effect? In Titanic? I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a young actor like DiCaprio and I'm looking at where the movie industry is going in 20 years, visual effects are easily going to become a giant thing. And this movie, yeah, like I, we said, pioneers a lot of those effects. I think the movie. So why is, not? Why wouldn't you want to be put in a movie like that? I think he maybe would have felt a little bit more vulnerable because the movie is very much. But he, when we, I guess at the end of the day, too, DiCaprio is not a franchise actor. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. He, he and, doesn't do any franchise. But movies. at this, I mean, he's this not would a be the point at, in his career because he is young that they yeah. could have kind of swept him up into one. Right. He's trying to differentiate differentiate himself from the Titanic boy. Right. Right. You know, or and the pretty pick, boy. Roles. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And doing something like this would kind of do that. Right. Right. So I get it. Um, he would have been in a, uh, kind of an, a weird choice again. Maybe I it think maybe too. It wouldn't yeah. have worked. Maybe right. too good looking. Like I think they would be distracting. I don't think that would be the issue. No, I th- I, I do think th- <laughs> I do think he would be distracting in this role. I, I think his looks with the the hair and everything. I I do. I mean I don't think he'd be too too looking. I think he, I think he's I don't know. I, I don't I don't find him to be like a really good looking guy. He just I don't know. He's he's fine. I just, he just isn't matrix. He doesn't seem like I don't think he could pull up the, the dystopian future stuff like he looks that. Clean. He kind of looks scrappy. Well, that's yeah. that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's oh, a specific okay. energy that Leo brings to his roles, and there's very specific roles that I think only he can do. Yes. And I think Neo is not one of them. Okay. Um, yep. John Cusack apparently lobbied hard for the role. Ugh. He he really wanted it. That's why you don't cast someone. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You, yeah. That's why you don't. If they really want it, you're like, no. I appreciate the spirit though. Yep. Like lobbying for a piece you really want. I get it. Yeah. Glad he didn't get it. But yeah. Um, so. Really, you're gonna be really excited about this one. Oh, am I? Uh, Mark Wahlberg was considered for oh, the role. Oh, God, I hate Mark Wahlberg. He's a terrible, um, terrible actor. Nicholas Cage turned down the role of Neo due to scheduling conflicts oh, my family issues. Dude, Nick Cage? No. What do you mean, no? What do you mean, what do I mean? What is the Matrix? Absolutely being... not. Absolutely. He would be unbelievable in this role. This is, this is a bit you're doing right now. No, it's not a bit. I am dead serious. I think I honestly think Nick Cage would be the only other option I would switch out with Keanu. That's how good I think he would be in this role. Wow. Keanu's a better choice, but Nicolas Cage, if I had to pick anybody else in this, that's, it's probably him. Like, okay. Just I mean, to see what that movie... Well, I want to see what the movie looks like. He's so I, interesting. I don't know if it would be good. I don't know if it would be good. <laughs> that's that's really it would be fun. That's why it would be fun. He'd be running no. around going, am I in the Matrix? And he's just like, you know, he's screaming at people and he's grabbing people. He'd be off the wall. Um, Oh, God. One more piece of casting more piece. for Neo. Okay. You guys mentioned Friends earlier. David Schwimmer was a front runner for the role. <laughs> a front runner? A front runner. They... You get out of here. Stop Wachowskis. <laughs> Stop it, Wachowskis. Okay, well, let me pose this question to you. Keanu not taking the role. Nicholas Cage or David Schwimmer? Nicholas Cage, David Schwimmer. Right now, who do you take? Nicholas Cage. There you go. They, that's, that's not... That's my point. That's not... I mean, that's my point. You are wrong. Go that ahead. is not a commendation <laughs> for Nicholas we, Cage. No, it's not. <laughs> we have talked about, though, Andrew. Yeah. I, I'm a Schwimmer fan. I like David Schwimmer. I like uh, Schwimmer, too. I, I'm not saying I, he's good for this no, role. No, no, no. I was going to say, I'm a, I am a Schwimmer fan, but I don't think he works for this movie because I don't think he's that type of actor. I think he's got the look that they were looking for. Yes. 
But kind of like, well, kind of like the scrawny, like not. Like he's, he, I think he, he has a round head. I think he, no, no, no I think he, <laughs> yes, I think he has the look. But it's gonna sound mean, but I don't think he has the exact ability yeah, no, makes, needed to pull pull off makes perfect the, sense. the movie. No. You know, no, because so. he, he is a good actor, but I think he's just not that type of actor. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would have been really hard for audiences to differentiate like this. Also, like, that's Ross. I was you gonna know, say like, also if he gets the Matrix, Friends is ending like five seasons early, or yeah. he would just dis- like Ross would go on a journey or, for yeah, like a or, season, or, or like, Ross yeah. is written out of the show. So, it's one or the other. I don't mind Friends. I never like said that I watched it. Yeah, maybe that's why. But he's always stood out to me of, of that cast. Like I've always kind of liked him and picked him and go. I liked him and maybe because he's like the one that I doesn't think- get talked about as much and well, I think, I I think to, he's the most relatable out of all yeah. I mean I'm just going to say it I think so, he's the most relatable character I've always kind of flocked to those people who kind of don't get the attention as the other ones mm-hmm. and and he's always stood out to me so I've always kind of rooted for a success to so to find out that he was even a front runner makes me excited do I think he should have gotten the role no but it makes me happy that he almost did let's do some fun facts the Wachowskis required the cast to be able to understand and explain the concept of the Matrix mm-hmm. in order to be in this movie required uh, yes wow absolutely amazing um, um, they also required most of the cast to read French philosopher Jean Baudrillard's <laughs> Simulacra and Simulation. Keanu, in particular, had to read several other books in order to understand and explain all the philosophical nuances involved in the film. Oh, God. And apparently they had to do all this before they were even allowed to open the script. Jeez. Yeah, that actually helps his argument. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. The Wachowskis hired Chinese martial arts choreographer and director Yun Wu Ping to work on the fight scenes, mm-hmm. and the actors had to train for months to prepare for the wire work in the film. Before pre-production of the film, Keanu Reeves underwent a two-level fusion of his neck and spine to spinal, due to spinal cord compression from a herniated disc. Ooh. He was still recovering from the surgery by the time pre-production started, but he still insisted on training. So Yun let him practice punches and other light moves, but he was only able to kick most of the training, which is why in this movie he doesn't kick them. Much. Oh, that's interesting. So, okay, I had that one on my fact. Um, Keanu lost 15 yeah. pounds and shaved his whole body for the scene in which Neo wakes up in the pot. He shaved his whole body. That apparently. I didn't know until you told me. Was yeah. that shot at the end? Yeah, it was. Okay, was cool. Just, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's day one. <laughs> All right, folks, let's wrap, and we got to wait six months till Shiana grows his hair back. The Matrix was inspired by multiple other works, and in some cases took full plot points and a major elements for the materials. This includes Grant Morrison's comic book, The Invisibles. So this is the plagiarism? Uh, yeah, a little yeah. bit. It's not, again, not necessarily. Is it plagiarism? Is it is it homage? Is it inspiration? Well, yeah. But uh, G- Grant Morrison has openly admitted that many elements in the film were lifted straight from the pages of his comic, again, The, the Invisibles. Uh, but he has stated that he does like the film, and in response to the disappointment of the sequels he said they should have kept stealing from me (laughs) (laughs) the design of a character in the comic book uh, in the in the invisibles right looks very similar to Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus and not just more but but the the glasses very close the suit right scenes of like them jumping over the buildings and some of that stuff looks like I've seen panels it's lifted it it, 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 it literally is like yeah it looks like it's lifted whether that is like you hold the comic up to the screen and you go sometimes Sometimes you subconsciously take that stuff in and yeah. you don't mean to right. do it. So is it that or are they looking at this Or was going, it like intentional like yeah. that's what I want my movie to look like Apparently, and let's just shoot it and that's it. Grant Morrison works a lot with or especially at the time The Invisibles I think was like done through the comic brand Vertigo which right. is a subsection of DC which is owned by Warner oh, Brothers. Oh that's So okay. it's kind of like I think that there was probably some shush money or some hey it's okay. <laughs> there, was the, there was a check across yeah, the table. Yeah exactly. Probably to like hey 
hey, stop complaining. It's okay. We'll take care of you. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. But yeah. other major influences include Ghost in the Shell. I can see uh, that. Doctor yeah. Who and I the 1972 Bruce Lee film Fist of Fury. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, I guess for the Kung Fu stuff. That makes yeah, sense. yeah. yeah. And specifically, I guess, I think that dojo scene is, is kind of reminiscent to something that happens in that movie. It's, I, a, it's I actually guess. pulled right from that. <laughs> no, <laughs> not claiming that. It is but, Bruce um, Lee in the scene. We talked about with the Terminator movies, especially the first two, kind mm. of the legacy of it. The film was nominated for and won four Academy Awards for Best Film Editing. Oh, we're talking about an Oscar-winning uh, movie. Yeah, we are. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I didn't know that. Best Film Film editing, best sound, best sound effects editing, and best visual effects. Nice. The Matrix ranks 66 on the AFI's list of 100 years, 100 thrills. Oh, the AFI. Uh, the American Film Institute. Ah. The one thing I don't agree with is this is ranked higher than T2. I disagree with that. I yeah. do. I yeah. disagree. I, with that. I, I, T2 I, should be higher than yes. this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have agree not with that. seen it. I don't disagree at all. This, I think T2 is like 72. T two should be should, yeah it yeah. should probably I think so, I think T two maybe they should switch places maybe, maybe they should know. I think either switch places or T two is maybe sixty two yeah, yeah. jump in ten <laughs> spots oh my god in two thousand twelve the film was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress yeah and culturally oh, cool. uh, historically and aesthetically significant so that makes sense they're not that. wrong no. John, did you have any other fun facts I didn't mention? Or? Oh, yeah, I did. The bullet time effect was created specifically for the Matrix. For the, the backbend scene specifically, they used a rig with 120 individual digital cameras and two film cameras, which I think was really interesting. And the first test they did for it was of a 360-degree view of an exploding trash can. Oh, that's cool. I just find that yeah, that's uh, fascinating. kind of fun. All you got to um, do is explode a trash can. That's how you make a movie. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's all it takes. That's all we have to do, boys. Uh, the uh, Neo and Trinity's 30-minute lobby shootout took 10 days to shoot because good there was Lord. no CGI used. It's all practical effects. Props to the crew for that. Yeah, 10 days. Good Lord. Obviously, with with uh, with uh, a movie this physical, lots of uh, onset injuries. Yeah. Hugo Weaving had to go, uh, had uh, hip surgery. Carrie Moss hurt her hips and ankles. Lawrence Fishburne got hit in the head and had his oh. eyelid sliced open. Oh, no. Um, and apparently, Keanu Reeves had some times where he just couldn't walk. Well, that I think that's from the the surgery that he had as well. Recovery, oh, yeah, probably. So um, this that's a trend that will actually continue into the next couple of movies. They they, yeah. they keep getting hurt. So. Uh, he mentions he says there was sequences Jesus. where he had to carry about fifty pounds worth of weapons. He says there was one time they were stood they were staying for about three hours wearing all of their gear. Oh, which God. holy crap, that is intense. And the last one I have is that Hugo Weaving based Agent Smith's voice off of the Wachowskis themselves. That's funny. I don't know how they talk. I've never heard them in an interview before. Um, yeah, I know. I, I haven't would, either. You know. I would love to go like to go back to an interview from the 99. 90s yeah. and just listen to how they speak if he pulled his inspiration from them. That's fascinating. Uh, yeah, that was the last one I had. Nice. Let's talk about the future of the franchise. Should there have been a sequel to this? Oh, boy. That's tough because uh, as much as I like the sequels, this could have very easily been a standalone yeah. movie. Wow. I, I think it would have been fine. Yeah. And I, I like... Uh, Revolutions more than Reloaded, but had they not been any more, I think it would have been perfectly yeah. fine by itself. I know that the general consensus, and we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks, of the next two movies is that they are like disappointing. Like Whether you like them or not, mm-hmm. they're not this movie. They don't right, have the right. legacy of this movie. It's kind of the same thing with Terminator movies. Right, right, right. That you kind of set this bar of like what to expect. 
Yeah. And then some time passes and people kind of like, oh, I can't wait for them to go back and maybe do something like this or do something like this. And you go back and it's not what you expect. I mean, the sequels, again, we'll get there, but they do kind of go in a different direction than, than mm-hmm. what I expected. Right. And I, it, it is interesting to think about that is that, you're right, this could have been a, a standalone movie. And, and I don't think that the legacy of this movie that was hurt by those sequels. So I agree. let's, let's um you know, give it a try and see what they can do. But yeah. whether they go, they should have gone in the direction that they did, or maybe they should have gone in a different way, it would be interesting to see them kind of continue this series. Yeah, I never really thought of it as that it could stand on its own, but when you really watch it, it could. It absolutely could just be a one movie thing. Yeah, I'm glad they did sequels. I mean, because I, I did enjoy both of them to a degree. But in a way, yeah, I, I guess you don't really need sequels. I mean, because it really does stand well on its own. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah no, I, mean, I, I think it deserves sequels. Yeah. But uh, maybe not exactly what we got. But yeah. I, I definitely could see the stand on its own. But I'm going to say yes. I think it deserves sequels. Why not? No, I, I, I want to see I, more. Ultimately, I'll say yes, you know? too. Like, should there... Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's just... I mean, it is taken off at the very... Like, I want to see that. It is know? interesting to think about what this could have been or what, what the legacy... Of, I mean, again, I think it's, it would still probably be the same, but, like, what the legacy of this movie maybe would have been without those sequels mm. because I think you would have had people really pining for more... And I think up until this new one, now that this new one's coming out, the hype's kind of back up. But mm. for a long time, I feel like a lot of energy related to this movie was kind of like, man, they really screwed that up near the end. Well, going into that, it's what I've always heard about yeah. the series. Right. So. Yeah. Cool. I mean, if they decided to have the Matrix stand by itself, the only thing I the only thing I would change, I wouldn't have Neo Flyway at the end. Yeah. And I wouldn't have the closing monologue. Yeah. Mm. I would have changed that. And then, had the last two minutes changed, I think it would have been perfect as a standalone movie but ending the as it did deserving sequels yeah I, I mean i'm very happy with the sequels that we got it, it didn't need them no what do you want to see in the future i mean obviously we know where this goes mm-hmm. we have seen you know these these movies now andrew we we have watched them for the first time yeah. for this but uh we don't have to go in that direction if, if somebody came to you and said we just ended the first one you haven't seen the second or third one yet what do you want to see in the future what do you what do you think what 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 do you kind of picture if, if i if i had to pick i actually i, I really like the way they went i really enjoy the the world building they did with two and three we learned a lot about the way the world works and it could have been me having like nostalgia but I can't think of a, a thing that I would change personally if they were going to continue the series I want to see more Matrix stuff and not really outside, outside Matrix yeah. I want to see more inside Matrix because that's where all the interesting stuff yeah. is and you had kind of mentioned mm. that to me off mic but that's where all the really interesting stuff is yeah. to me and I know there is some great sequences outside the Matrix like yeah. you said like especially with like Revolutions a lot of that is outside the Matrix yeah. with the war sequences but I think it's just a straight up adventure inside the Matrix where you can be anything you want that just seems more interesting to me yeah. in a way yeah. like I think you could get more yeah. out of that movie in a sense than maybe outside the Matrix yeah I agree but that's just me. I, I do think that the stronger parts of this movie are the parts that are in the Matrix this first movie are right. the parts that's in the Matrix and the parts that are in the Matrix are interesting but not as interesting to me it, that, that's where my attention started to drag a little bit right. um, it is an interesting world but it's just I I'm re- I really love what they do in the Matrix and I think that that would be more mm-hmm. like really cool to explore where does Neo go now? Like, we we literally see him fly off. Where is he going? What's he doing? I mean, he doesn't have to pick up from that moment, but, right. but what's he doing? Where is he going? Flies um, right to the Burger King. <laughs> I mean, hey, man. Let's see them start to unplug more people, and let's see how the general public responds to, like, finding out this truth. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and everything. So, uh, what franchise star would you add to this franchise? I would add... Neil McGregor. Coming off of... No. <laughs> absolutely not. Coming off of Star Wars, I would add Samuel L. Jackson. 
Jackson as one of the ship captains. I think that's a great choice. I actually, think, yeah, I, mean, I actually think I almost put him, but yeah, having him as a ship captain just to give a little bit, a little bit more, whether or not to to, to help or hinder Morpheus <laughs> I, in, in later yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. movies, I think he would be uh, he would have been a lot of fun. I think it's so funny you say it because Samuel Jackson is one of those people like from like 90s to 2000 to 2010s you can plug him into a lot of franchises and it would yeah. be better for it. Yeah. Like he's just one of those magnetic actors that he can just advance whatever he's yeah. part of. I think if you're pitching to me and saying oh we, we want a Matrix Matrix 2 a name that was really interesting to me I, I will always pitch I want some Denzel. No. I want some Denzel in the Matrix. You know, him with the sunglasses walking out being like, follow me. Like, I'm in. I'm in on Denzel. I have two, uh, Michael Caine. And Michael Caine. Okay. And Ian McKellen. Who would you have Ian McKellen play? I just think they would could be older resistance leaders, maybe. Okay. Yeah. If you want me to take a character from the actual sequels, like, you could say that counselor that he, that he has a whole conversation yeah. with. Put, make that Michael Caine or okay. Ian McKellen, either of those. And I think you give a little bit more energy to that, so. I think those are great yeah. choices, actually. I didn't think of them, but yeah. that's great choices. Especially, yeah, yeah. especially Ian McKellen. Yeah. I mean, coming, coming off of Lord I think of the Ian McKellen is stronger here's, than here's Michael Caine. Yeah. Hugo Weaving goes back because goes, I had a great experience on The Matrix. Hey, you know, we're doing another one. You want in? And Ian's like, I would like that. This is a really hard question. We gotta rank these films, guys. What is the number one ranked film so far? The Matrix. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Matrix. That's all we have. The so Matrix. Far. Yeah, the that's Matrix. obviously you know that's what we have. So we have the Matrix. So as we finishing up, do you guys have any last minute comments? Anything you wanted to bring a last chance to say anything about this film? Let's leave it to our guest first. Guest, what do you have to say? Nothing comes to mind. Riveting. Oh, um, I was just I was gonna say <laughs> really riveting um, stuff. This is one movie that I really would like to pay special special attention to the the cast and crew since of how much we found how much uh, practical work was done. The effects work. You see, they wanted. Oscar for the sound design yep. and the visual effects. Yep. I just I know people pay a lot of attention to Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. and and of course the other stars and I wish I had names because I would include them now. But the, I, I know that the the one that I know off the top of my head, Bill Pope is the cinematographer. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think definitely he deserves credit too. Yeah. So other than that, I mean, what haven't we said already? Fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And I just say, if you haven't seen The Matrix, like uh, you and I haven't, uh, Ryan, then I would highly recommend anyone to watch it because it, it, it is, it truly, even on its own, fantastic movie. Yeah. Fantastic movie. And I think anybody can get something out of it. Yeah. Well, I, like I said to you guys, obviously you guys are, are a little bit bigger fans than I am of this movie. I did not hate this movie by any means. I, I did really enjoy it. Right. I. I I knew going in that this isn't my type of movie. Right. I was fully aware of that. You guys are bigger anime fans than I am. And this is very clearly like anime basis kind of feels right. like almost a live action anime at points and to hear that like Ghost in the Shell was an inspiration like obviously that makes sense right mm-hmm. so I, I am aware of that and, and I, I, I try to get any biases that I may have had towards some, some directors or anything like that <laughs> out of the way uh, going into this and, and also clear my head of any like you know disinterest I might have had in the franchise there's a reason why I hadn't seen this franchise in 20 years right but overall it is a wonderful wonderfully made movie like you mentioned John that you kind of really have to give credit to anybody who was involved in this movie in any right, way right. and it's an impressive movie it's really impressive and the fact that we're watching this in 2021 and going wow this still a lot of this still holds up a lot of this still looks good yeah it's 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 really well made fantastic so, well 
Here we are once again. We bring another episode to a close. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Tony. And we appreciate everybody who gives us a chance for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FranchiseMePod. You can see all of our rankings on Letterboxd, FranchiseMe. It's one word. Uh, and you can send us an email, FranchiseMePod at gmail.com. Give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Give us your feedback so we can get better each week. Join us next week as we once again tap into the Matrix as we talk about The Matrix Reloaded. And thank you, John, for being here. Happy to be of here. Of course. Thanks for the invitation. John, you'll be back next week, and as will we, and looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, same.